Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. My guest today is Frank Carlisi, who's the co-founder and chief operating officer of the EXV Agency, a global PR and personal branding agency, and is also the award-winning founder of EXV Studios, a creative force in developing unpredictable concepts in unscripted television. Frank's deeply rooted industry relationships have helped him build an unexpected and engaging portfolio of content with the William Morris Agency, A&E, Lifetime Network, HGTV, Hearst Media Productions, and more. A storyteller at heart, Frank knows how to drill down to reveal individuals' and companies' unique stories to help their messaging connect and resonate with audiences in an authentic and heartfelt way. So uh, thank you so much, Frank. Is there anything we missed? Todd, I mean... Talk about an intro. <laughs> you set the stakes pretty high there, my friend. I got a lot to live up to in that intro. But no, thank you. Thank you so much for that very kind intro and for having me today. I'm so excited to chat with you about all things unscripted television, PR, and anything your heart desires. I'm an open book, so I'm happy to answer anything. That's for sure. Well, I love that. And, you know, uh, recently, you were mentioned on our show because your partner at EXV, Karen Gamba, was on the show, and she gave a really good intro into how she met you. So I want to play that real quick to start off the show here. Excellent. How did you come into business with uh, it was Frank Carlisi that you uh, started the company with? It's amazing what the universe has in store for you. I was hosting an event with my company Ellipsis at the time at a venue where it was one of those moments where it was my time to shine and just about everything you could think about was going wrong. The catering hadn't arrived. I had some really big political and investors, big figures coming to this event and think there was just chaos everywhere. Some of the security detail hadn't arrived from the mayor's office. Frank was actually someone who was working at the venue at the time. He owned his own, he owned his own business, but he was also working there and helping out with some strategic events. And I was almost in a crumpled heap in the corner when I felt this tap on my shoulder. And he came up to me and he said, listen, I know you have a lot to take care of. Get your team organized. I promise you, I will get this train on the rails. I just arrived. I see what's going wrong. I am going to help you make this event a success. And he disappeared. Now, I had no idea who this person was. It was like an angel just swooped in. And immediately I started th seeing things start to happen. And he, he saved my event. This was at six o'clock in the morning in New York. And um, this person who I'd never seen before just came and helped me put this train back on the rails. And when something like that happens that is so profound, you think to yourself, wow, this is someone that I need in my life all the time. Wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Unreal. And you looked at that, you were nodding your head like you remember that fateful morning. Oh, man, what a morning that was, huh? But it's, it's really just about... Um, the universe really putting us together in that way where I was just being present 
And I talk a lot about that in, you know, PR strategy and in unscripted. I wasn't just focused on what I needed to do at that particular building at 6 a.m. in the morning, probably not caffeinated enough knowing me. Um, but I was just aware of my surroundings and this beautiful, striking, professional woman was in tears. Um, she sugarcoated it a little bit. She was upset. And she, there were picket lines outside. She had some very polarizing speakers at this really high-end event. And I just kicked it into Papa Bear mode, if you will, or <laughs> however you want to call it. But I just connected with the person in the room that needed to needed the help. And yeah. I think that that is the connection there is something that as a PR professional, it's something that we strive for. Um, and, but it's, you know, the moral of that story is that you can find that connection in everyday life. It doesn't just have to be, you know, it's, it's when you least expect it because of that connection, my life has been changed almost four years later. We'll be celebrating our four-year anniversary of our combined businesses this January. And because of that one moment, I have grown as a human being, as a professional. I've learned more, more than I ever did in school just by finding a partner in someone like Karen. So yeah, that's wow. the story. That's fantastic. It, it seems to me that at the heart of the story, you were feeling the moment and I think that that does work with PR strategy as well, right? You have to feel, understand the moment, get out of your own head, and really see things clearly for how they are and how you can be of assistance. That's right. That's it. It's just about being present. And so many people, and we overcome these obstacles, you know, in our day-to-day, -day, uh, you know, working with clients, it's just getting them out of that head, that head space is such a, a nuanced um, strategy, strategic approach that we have to follow. It's just about letting them know that they could be vulnerable in a moment and mm -hmm. poking that a little bit and making it uncomfortable. It's not something that I, th I personally be believe happens overnight, but it does take some training to get to that point. I've talked to some people on this show that have had a hard time, like sometimes the hardest time when there, when there's a big kind of in crisis communication, sometimes dealing with a CEO uh, that doesn't want to see the situation for what it is, doesn't want to deal with it. And you have to really kind of crack, you know, use some kind of strategy to crack their head open and go, this is what you're dealing with. Here's how we have to approach it. Exactly. That's exactly it. You know, it, 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 it's it's an industry agnostic, this feeling, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as PR professionals, we work with people across the board and it all boils down to that one thing, which I believe is being vulnerable in the actual moment. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you need to do that while working on unscripted television, uh, in a world where we see a lot of unscripted television, it's been a dominant part of the media landscape for 25, 30 years. How do you find a new concept? Where does that come from? Oh, I love this question. Uh, I light up when we talk about unscripted television. So if I start going on and on, just sh shut me up because I will. Please, it's, it's my passion in life, actually. Um, so 
I think that's a great question, and I think I could answer it in two parts. One, there's a lot of research that goes into it. Um, there are metrics that you have to look at. It's just like any other business. You know, there are industry reports, trends, um, what's going on politically in the world at the time. But also, at the same time, it's equal part instinct and a feeling mm -hmm. And how do I explain that feeling? It's my spider sense. It's my superpower, I believe. Um, it's just something that awakens in the moment. And you just kind of know. I, it's so hard to explain, but um, I think that that's kind of my process. I find inspiration um, in my day-to-day -day life. So hmm. just the way the, the story we told about meeting Karen and how that changed my life listening really well at a dinner table, maybe not at the person you're having dinner with, but maybe the people sitting in back of you. What are they talking about? I've developed a show based on a dinner conversation for a group of people sitting in back of me. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, looking at media, I had an exercise, of course, you know, in tandem with some market research. I went through all of my old DVDs and I'm mm -hmm. big movie person, big, you know, music person. And I went through all of my old DVDs and I had them categorized, you know, alphabetized and the whole thing. And I kind of looked at the cover and the back of the, you know, the, the liner notes and I just boiled it down. Okay, where's the unscripted concept in something mm. like this? And just pulled out some keywords and I go, okay, how do we make a show about, you know, my dad used to make us watch this movie called Slapshot with Paul Newman. I played ice hockey oh, wow. my whole life. Great movie about an, a ragtag ice hockey team. And I, and I basically said, okay, where's the show in that? We did some online research. We found the, this amazing group of talented women in Dallas, Texas that are oh. playing ice hockey and whooping the guys in a men's league and whooping their butts. So mm. we developed a show. Uh, called Ice Queens about the the women on this Dallas team. So that's kind of that's kind of my process: looking at the world, listening, uh, referencing pop culture, and uh, finding the joy in that and the spark that happens internally. I love that. Uh, I like how you start off. There's kind of two points. You do have the uh, political moment, the, the kind of the the cultural zeitgeist happening. Yep. Uh, cultural milieu if we're going to use some big european words here um but i'm sure when you're you're filming this you have the individual characters you have the individual people you have to have a sense for are these people engaging are these people charismatic uh, are, are these people that people want to sit with in their homes and watch on tv and can relate to is there a villain uh and that you can't plan that right so how do you you just Maybe we'll get lucky. Or how, how do you how do you know if you're going to have that kind of substance besides just the cool premise? Sure, that's a great question. Um, I could just reference, you know, some shows we're working on now. It's equal parts luck. I have to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes you're in the room and you're like, "Oh wow, this just happened," and I can't believe it, and I I'm shocked, right? So it mm -hmm. is equal parts. You know, some luck has to be sprinkled in there. Without a doubt. Um, but also, and I think it's it's this connection to, I use the word optics a lot, right? And mm -hmm. some people, I, I related to some people 
um, use optics for optics sake, right? If that okay. makes sense. And that to me is when you are putting on a facade, it's very easy for people like me and you to see through it. And I'm talking yeah. PR and I'm talking unscripted television. So I think what happens is to answer your question, when I first meet talent, I know right off the bat how to position them in a, in a concept. I let them fit into the concept and not the other way around. So it's not just arbitrary. Okay. Um, you build the concept around the talent you have, not the talent you want, if that makes right. sense. So, yeah. you know, I, I'll have a great idea for a show that can be very, you know, salacious or, you know, completely out there. But is that the show that we're making? You know, example, we're mm -hmm. working on a show. Um, I, I can't talk too much about it because it's it's really at the end. I'm waiting for the green light. So as soon as I get the green light, okay. trust me, I'm coming back on the show. We're going to talk about this at length because it's a fascinating Great. process. But we tried to turn it into something in the beginning because of, um, you know, just the way the talent presented potentially. Right. And it just wasn't that show. It was more wholesome. So yeah. we angled it in that direction and we found the home for it that it belongs at as opposed to trying to fit it into something that it didn't. That's Believe great. It. Yeah, you, you rolled with what you had. You didn't do Correct. square peg, round hole, or else yeah. then it would have came off as inauthentic. And Correct. people have a spidey sense for that. It's, you know, it's uncanny valley. It's like, eh, I don't know. I'm not buying it. I don't. And, and sometimes the audience may not know why they don't buy it. They're just flipping the channel, right? Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly <laughs> it. That, that's very true. Yeah. And it's interesting because when you're dealing with, you know, just a ragtag group of, of hockey players, uh, some people stand out as having it or charisma or what is that? Because I don't think I've ever heard a good definition. And I'm putting you on the spot to define something that's undefinable. But how do you see it? I love that. I love that. No, I, I, I think it, it goes back I'm sorry to, you know, be a broken record, but it goes mm -hmm. back to your ability to connect in. And that's, that's my truth. I, I can, when someone is not rehearsing, reading their notes or so aware of their image that they're trying to project to you and they just let it be, mm -hmm. there's a spark that comes. Not everyone's meant for television. Of course, right? And yeah. that's some of the hardest conversations I have to have is like, yeah, you know, this is a great idea. You're doing amazing work, but you're just not right for TV. So it is <laughs> what it is, right? Sorry, it happens. But I think finding that, that je ne sais quoi, you know, that something special in a person, it's rare. It's like, it's, it, it is a diamond in the rough. You know, um, there's this industry statistic that one in 10 shows will get greenlit to, to air. Right. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're well into that. Right. We're we've had a, a network deal uh, every year for the past three years. And we're we, you know, we had some very polite, great working relationships with some networks, but some polite passes. So we're getting there. We're, we're really close right now with one. But what the note was is that some of the talent just didn't have that extra something that's going to make a person in any part of the country connect to them and turn yeah. the TV on and commit their almost hour of time to watching that person's life. 
So it's a delicate balance. So to answer your question in short form, there is no answer to the question. Um, But I think it is a lot of different factors, but the ability to be vulnerable, to connect and to let other people in is a very special talent that not everybody has. So if you have that, call me. (laughs) So... Well, it's it's interesting you're talking about the regional differences yeah. because obviously lots of the big reality shows that I that I, I see go, being played by my wife on a Saturday afternoon in our house, it's like the Kardashians, it's the Real Housewives, and oh, these are all kind of very yeah, and they, yeah, but these are all very specific LA people and sure. LA stereotypes. And you were saying people that connect regionally, yeah. I guess. It's not just the fact these people are in L.A. It's it maybe people either aspirationally want to be Kim Kardashian or they find their family dynamic interesting. I'm sure you've probably tried to take this apart a billion times. But, you know, why does somebody in the middle of Ohio uh, on a cold day turn on the Kardashians and go, oh, I relate to these people? Yeah, well, you said the word and it's aspirational. Uh, that's the note you'll always get in a, in a network meeting. It's how how is this aspirational to you know to to any audience right what are they looking at that they want to emulate what are they looking at that they want to be and that's why these shows like the real housewives um they show the price tag when when these women and sometimes men are out shopping and they spend an insane amount of money it's to get you to have that visceral reaction to say oh my goodness i wish that could be me so that is a huge part of of reality tv the other part is you know I think where the trends are going, because we can go into this as a whole other podcast. And I I know Bethany Frankel, she is really leading the charge of what's called the reality reckoning right now over at Bravo, which is, you know, in a a lot of different forms. But just to boil it down, it's unionizing um, reality TV professionals. And it's also exposing what goes on behind the scenes, um, you know, good, bad and ugly. and them being monetizing their likeness when it's being used in overseas and di- different markets and things like that. So it's 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 a it's a lot going on. The reason why I bring it up is, um, you know, to to look at you know these these you these human subjects, if you will, we'll call them, and watching their lives unfold. It is something that not everybody can achieve. So we want to we want to look at that and say, you know, what in that makes them have that and I don't. And I, I you know, I struggle with those types of shows, if I'm being very honest with you. I watch them, of course. I use I do it as market yeah. research, but I tend to lean into the shows that bring out some heart, that have <clears throat> that have that show human values, that mm-hmm. are aspirational in a different way. Um, you know, we're working with with um, a, a family that's doing some amazing work in the Midwest right now. And I want my viewer to look at this show and say, what is this incredible family doing that I could bring into my day to day life? So it's, it's twofold. So that's great. You know, there was one like that that I really loved watching, which is Little People, Big World. Yeah. And I mean, that's ran for feels like 50 years, you Forever. know, these and but the show is is still engaging for some and these are kind of simple people you know there's any not anything 
but I don't know. There's maybe maybe it's because I've just watched it for so long that yeah. I'm I'm they're like part of the family, you know. Sure. Yeah, it's it's comfort television too. There there's you know certain shows you could just turn on and leave on in the background. You know the format. It's you know what's happening. You put HGTV on. You put Animal Planet on. You put some of these other shows on, and you just know that it's there and it's just comfort watching. So that's another another yeah. big piece of it too. Yeah. Well, you know that was another thing I was reading where I guess there was some shakeup within the streaming services mm. where a bunch of them wanted to acquire certain reality television because it was like kind of like uh, people the people weren't engaging with it so closely it was just kind of like wallpaper and the people just liked it in the background but those shows I guess people would stream them for much longer because you'd put it on and it would be on you know your entire Saturday afternoon while you're cleaning the house or, or just relaxing and looking at Instagram or whatever and is there a genre is there a name for that or is it a well, I mean, you brought up a really interesting point, and it's the consolidation of all of these these networks into a streaming platform, and mm-hmm. that's that's actually well, that's actually something that we're the industry is really now na- trying struggling to navigate at the moment. Um, you know, there it's it's not easy for people in development like me to really navigate what the temperature is at a streamer. Because, for example, there's the Max streamer, formerly HBO Max, formerly HBO, formerly HBO Go, all of it. So yeah. they consolidated and they brought in networks like TLC, Magnolia. They brought their HBO content over. Um, you know, they're bringing in so many different eyes onto this one streamer that how do you now make a show that any of that audience might potentially want to tune into? It is, there's, you know, there's a great um, re- uh, unscripted uh, conference that happens biannually called Real Screen. Um, mm-hmm. If you ever have a chance, uh, they do one in California, West Coast, and then there's one East Coast. I think this one is in um, it's in New Orleans. And it's a great place to go to really get this information and, and get really a, a closer pulse on what's going on in the industry. But the streaming consolidation uh, for show, for those comfort shows, for, for any type of show, has really created a, you know, a really interesting sort of trajectory of our industry. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. As someone in communications, tell me if I'm wrong here. Yeah. Uh, I I put on Max the other day because I wanted to find like a documentary or something. I was in okay. that kind of that kind of cozy mood, you know. Yeah. And so I, I go searching through there, and then here was the problem. Traditionally, HBO as a brand has always made great documentaries. And if yes. you say this is an HBO documentary, even if it's something I'm Probably. not really interested in, I'm still watching it, right? Right. But but now I'm going through there, and I don't know. Is that an HBO documentary? Is that something ported over that's going to be lower quality? And so I was almost like, I'm like, can I just, okay, I went to Max. Can I just click over to HBO? Because I feel like it's kind of watering down the the brand, of the, the, the stuff that I want to see. How, how do you work that out, you know? Uh, that is exactly what's happening. I, I'm. It's interesting to hear your perspective on it because I, I don't think I've ever been able to articulate it as perfectly as you just did. And I think so many people in our industry don't quite understand. And you're you're a viewer giving that honest feedback, and it's really really important. And it's the heart of what the issue is. It's 
it is diluting the particular content and making it into something it's not meant to be, like we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. right? It's trying to fit it all, you know, into this one home for it where some of it doesn't belong. Um, and I and yeah. I think all of these streamers are still working it out. You know, I we have, you know, we had a mandate uh, in January. I had a, a, a network, I, who he who will not be named network, <laughs> banging on our door. I swear, never been, you know, more sales call. Hey, we want this show. We want this show. We want this show. Wow. Emails, my cell phone, LinkedIn messages, the whole thing. We had met them. Wow. And great. We, we were like, all right, we're preparing the content. As soon as it's ready to go to market, we will bring it to you, of course, to review. Not more than, I would say, three months later, we send it out to this network. And they said, well, we're not picking up those types of shows anymore. Three months. Oh. Tops. You know, it's just that it's constantly changing. And creatives like myself and my my partners in this type of industry are constantly, that's why you have to have your finger to the pulse of what's happening. But also you have to have good instincts because you have to yeah. be able to bop and weave like you're in a boxing ring <laughs> to kind of figure out what punch you, you have to take and which one you're going to dodge, you know? Right. So it's interesting. It's amazing that you've kept this positive attitude towards it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So it's it's like the blessing and a curse, right? You know, I'm sure after our 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 uh, meeting today, I'm going to have four more ideas from something you said. So that's the beauty oh. of the whole thing, you know? <laughs> okay, reality TV show idea. A guy looking at streaming, trying to figure out why he can't find anything he wants to watch. Um, last que- <laughs> Last question of the day. I know this has gone really fast, but... Uh, what what's the big kind of lesson that you've learned? If if you could distill it into one big lesson so far that you've learned creating unscripted television. Mm. So one big lesson, I know we've touched on a few today, but I will honestly say that creativity exists anywhere you look. Mm. That's my big lesson. Um, it's given me confidence in ways that I don't ever think think I anticipated in my life. Um, it's made me a better business owner, uh, better, you know, PR professional, better, better client, better vendor. Um, it's really something special that, you know, that I, I cherish in, in my day to day. So I hope that answers the question, but that is my finding creativity everywhere. It just fuels me. And I, I try to impart that on every type of client that I have. It's don't feel like you're closed off to it. Um, just be o- a little bit more open and you'll be so surprised. The people you could meet at six o'clock in the morning because they're having an issue with their event. So <laughs> I, that, was a good, that was a reality TV trick. I put a button on the conversation. I hope that was okay, Todd. <laughs> you're, you're doing my job. That's fine. You just made it a little bit easier for I'll me to I'll send you an invoice. I gotcha. Okay, great. Well, this has been Frank Carlisi on PR360. And for everybody listening, how do they follow you? Uh, what's the call to action today? Sure. So we are, uh, the EXV agency is launching a, um, a really great uh, PR masterclass coming in tw- the early 2024. And okay. you can find that on www.growyourbrandmasterclass.com. That's what we're super excited about. Accessible PR. 
Um, lots of what we talked about today is going to be covered in that masterclass. You could find us at uh, our website, www.exv-agency.com. Find a little bit more about the company, but LinkedIn message me, send me messages on Instagram. I'm always available to, to chat this out and, and help any way I can with anyone that has an aspiring idea. Wonderful. And uh, this has been great. There's so much, many questions I haven't got to, so we hope to have you back sometime soon. I'll be there, Todd. Thanks for having me. Thank you. PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Talk to you next week.